Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. My law and welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, an expanded Women's Rugby League World Cup gets underway. Papua New Guinea and Fiji impress at the Oceania Sevens. And Tahiti stand firm on their proposed boycott of the Pacific mini-games. But first, history has been made at the Rugby League World Cup with all four Pacific Island nations advancing to this weekend's quarter-finals. Tonga, Papua New Guinea and Fiji all finished atop their groups, while Samoa sneaked into the knockout rounds despite not winning a game. Jason Tamalolo led the Sipitao against his former team as Mate Ma'atonga stunned New Zealand 28-22 in Hamilton to achieve the first ever victory by a Tier 2 nation against a Tier 1 team. You know, a lot was on the line. Um, you know, there was obviously the opportunity to play um, Australia in the semi. That was um, probably one of the main reasons why it was, a, it was a big game for us. And avoiding Australia was, yeah, so... Winning Australia was probably the main reason why it was a big occasion. But um, you know, obviously, for a few of us boys who um, you know turned down the opportunity to play for New Zealand and uh, to represent our um, country of heritage, so uh, we knew it would be a big occasion for us boys who who done that. And uh, you know, we didn't want to let it get uh, get into our get be a part of our preparation. So. Yeah, the boys have been relaxing, uh, you know, sort of a good week of uh, preparation. Was it the reason for Was it personal for you? Like a pride? Uh, nothing's personal to me. Uh, for those who know me properly, I like to take everything as a as a bi- one big joke. So um, obviously, I didn't look too much into this week's game as as everyone else did. You know, thinking it would be a you know big uh, grudge match and obviously whatnot. And, um, I think the main part for me uh, wasn't that I made it personal, but um, you know, it was a pretty emotional game for myself. You know, obviously playing against uh, the country I was born in, and you know, I knew it would be a big game for myself. So, and big games, you know, that's when the best players tend to step up, and you know, I wanted to be a part of them. So, yeah. Jason, being a part of a historic victory tonight, can you see yourself wanting to go back and play for the Kiwis, or? You know, was what it's done for the tournament and in the National Rugby League? Uh, uh, like I said, that's not my decision to make. So uh, I've said that before, and um, you know, obviously, a lot has been said, and uh, a lot of people have different opinions. So um, you know, I guess I'll I'll worry about that um, after the World Cup. But for now, you know, it's all about playing for Tonga and um, playing my best footy for them. What about toppling a team in one country for the first time? Does that mean a lot to you that you were part of that tonight? It's the first time I've played against New Zealand, so... Um, but, I mean, it's the first result that has gone that way. It's the first time a Team one country has lost to a T2 in World Cup ever. Oh, no, I didn't know about that, but... Um, uh, yeah, I think they brought it up after the game and that we were the first country to do that, but, you know, I, I guess uh, we caught New Zealand um, off guard and, uh, you know, the game could have went any uh, either way and... Uh, I think uh, luck at the end of the day uh, fell towards our side, so uh, I think we were lucky to get away with it, I guess. But, uh, you know, both teams played great, and uh, that's what mattered, so it was a great game of footy. That's Mate Ma'atonga back rower Jason Tamalolo.
An expanded Women's Rugby League World Cup kicks off this week with Papua New Guinea and the Cook Islands representing the Pacific. The Cook Islands' Moana secured the sixth and final qualifying berth by default after Fiji, Samoa and Tonga all withdrew from last year's Pacific qualifiers. Meanwhile, Papua New Guinea only played their first international match in September. Maima Wei scored the Orchids' only try in a heavy defeat by Australia and has quit her job to play in the World Cup. It was a little eye-opener for us. Even though we lost them 42-4, we took a lot out of the game. So we built on from there with our coaches and our trainers. And now we know we're going against the world's best. So uh, the girls were just ready. We prepared to do the job. It's going to take one game at a time. Does it feel like everything's kind of a big milestone? You know, that, that first ever test match, I think you scored the first ever try. And, you know, now the first ever World Cup. And uh, does, does it all just seem like everything's kind of breaking new ground and, and, and making new history at this point? Yeah, definitely. Everything is so new. It's history, and it's really unreal. We can't believe that we're actually living our dream. I know all the girls, like, we get so emotional, and just doing this, it's, it's unreal. We're just living our dream and playing, because if you were just playing the club games, we don't really get much recognition, and always doing things on our own. But now that we have support and everybody behind us, the nation, sponsors like Oil Search, it's amazing. And uh, has the team been back in... Uh, Moors be preparing whilst obviously the the men the Kumuls were playing their first couple of games. Yes, we have been in camp in Moresby. They all flew into Port Moresby, and we've been in camp while the Kumuls. We've been supporting the boys every Saturday and Sunday when the games on. We got to support them, training sessions with them at dinner. So yeah. So you've been able to soak up that kind of overall World Cup sort of atmosphere thing, and I imagine back, you know, as you say, back home with three sold out crowds, uh, and and we all know how much the country loves their rugby league. So. Uh, yeah, it must seem like a really special time for the country. Yeah, <laughs> back home it's crazy. You see all the teams coming in and there's police escorts and people jumping in their traditional clothes, kids just running to the bus trying to touch every player, taking pictures with them. It's like a, what can I say, a Hollywood movie star welcome for everybody that goes there, even the, the Kumuls. And I think it was halftime during the Kumuls in the USA game. They gave us a farewell, the orchid, they announced in front of the whole crowd and found the nation. And everybody just started cheering for us and clapping their hands, calling us by our name and a number, and failed us for the World Cup. And, and so to finally have your own outlet as the Orchids, um, you know, must be really exciting. So what, what's the sort of feeling in camp ahead of this first game against England? Um, how, what's that sort of feeling like in camp? All the girls were excited, and uh, we've been dreaming about this our whole life since we started playing rugby. Just want to make everybody proud. And uh, what, what sort of expectations do you have on the team and, and how far you could go? Our expectations are that... As everybody, um, all the other nations coming into the tournament, they are here to win, and the expectations that we all share. But we just want to, you know, um, make an awareness and inspire young girls, and that's probably our most important thing that we're here to do. And hopefully, we win. That would just be even icing on the cake. What do you know about the England team? Not much, actually. We don't really know much. But what from today's opening, they were saying that they've been um, World Cup winners from previous World Cups. So we're like, oh my goodness, we're up against the top team. A really tough team. And uh, for for so many of the men's players, they either play in the NRL or a lot of the PNG boys obviously are in the Hunters and get to do it yep. full-time or pretty much full-time. Uh, not really the case for the uh, women's teams. Uh, I think uh, Joanna was telling me you studied engineering in New Zealand for a while there. Uh, um, so, um, you know, for, for for your team, all your players have jobs or, or lives they have to get back to outside of this World Cup. So, um, you know, what, what's the preparation been like? How much time have you been able to dedicate to to this tournament and the team? A couple of um, a couple of the girls have actually quit their job. Like, for me, I've quit my job and I've come here resigned just to get myself ready for the World Cup and 
a couple of girls have resigned just to get into camps to train and prepare themselves. Um, a lot have could study and hold. They've moved up their exams. And especially if I one, um, some of us are mothers to get our kids ready to people to come and take care of our kids while we're gone. And so yeah, we sacrificed quite a bit and quite a lot just to get this far. The PNG Orchids opened their World Cup campaign against England, while the Cook Islands face defending champions Australia on Thursday. Papua New Guinea are in for a busy 2018 after excelling at the Oceania Sevens Champs, with both the men's and women's teams qualifying for the Commonwealth Games, Sevens World Cup and numerous World Series events. Fiji defended the Oceania men's title at the weekend, outclassing New Zealand in the final 26-0 in Suva, while New Zealand edged Australia 12 points to 5 in the women's decider. Olympic men's champions Fiji have also played tournaments in Germany, Australia and the US over the past month and a half as they prepare for the start of a new World Series campaign. Coach Gareth Baber says his thoughts are starting to crystallise on who will be selected for the opening round in Dubai at the start of next month. It's a start point really for what's to come over the year, which is going to be extremely busy, but um, the competitions we've been involved in, uh, certainly through the last sort of five, six weeks, uh, have enabled me to... Uh, have a look at some young players, some new players, uh, some of the players that have been um, very much in the system for the previous sort of two, three seasons. Uh, there's been changes in terms of leadership and there's been changes in terms of personnel in the squads, but um, I'm now getting sort of towards where I think we need to be, certainly in terms of personnel. There's, you know, obviously there's always a couple of names that are bouncing around thinking could they potentially move forward, but um, I'd be pleased to see some younger players as well pushing their case in terms of sevens rugby in Fiji and Coming to the Oceania tournament, it was good to see, um, you know, the quality that we were able to produce, and it was good to see sort of one or two of those young players standing up and uh, and pushing their claim as well to a to a Fijian jersey for for a series uh, event and or Commonwealth Games World Cup. So job's not finished by any stretch, but um, I'm in a lot more knowledgeable place now than I was sort of eight eight nine months ago when um, it was all sort of fighting fires and trying to put teams on field and not quite knowing. Uh, some of the personnel, so uh, yeah, it's, it's been a good process. When you're experimenting and, and, as you say, trying out new players in these tournaments over the last four six weeks, um, I, I guess on some level results go by the wayside when um, you know you're not at the World Series yet. But um, uh, is that starting to be more of a focus now? I mean, like, do you how much heed do you take on the results from the weekend? I think you've got to be you've got to keep a perspective on where they are. I mean, different teams will be at different points in their development. However, they plan that out through their, 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 their coaching staff and where they think they need to go this year. And I think that, you know, for, for the competitions that we've been involved in, Australia have, have proven quite strong in that and have hit the ground running. Um, I know they've, they've had a good lead into that as well. But, you know, New Zealand uh, have got a good crew together. I think the Samoa as well, you know, having looked back at the, the Silicon Valley tournament, pushed themselves hard in that one and then came this year to, to, to Fiji as well. But as I said, I mean, you know, I've got to look at the relevance of, of how we perform. Um, it's simply not about the result that you get against every individual team, but the elements that you're looking at developing in your game, which you put in every day in training and try to form as habits in players to ensure the right decision-making happens on a field, I suppose as a coach, you, you want to see that happen more often than not. And uh, the good thing for me probably on this weekend is that although we were a little bit rusty in the first sort of two or three games when it got to sort of competition time of knockout, um, I saw that happening and I saw it with good leadership from senior players. And I saw a good injection of innocence and the way that Fiji play from, from some young, from some new players. And 
good quality and accuracy in the way those young players played the game. And not in every case, because obviously there'll be some players that need to, to develop their game further. Otherwise, I'd have to be picking from 30, 35 players. But um, I'm getting somewhere towards knowing what that 18-20 will look like for me, certainly for selection for Dubai. And I suppose, you know, if you get back to question about results, you know, all coaches will take away what they need to from any competition. It hurts when you don't win it. I've been in that situation a few times myself, and it's part of the process of coaching, of getting back to what the players need to develop and, and being as rational and as planned as you possibly can to ensure that the next time you take a step forward. So with three weeks until that Dubai tournament, and uh, as you put it, this uh, quite long and busy season, including a Commonwealth Games and a World Cup, uh, how, how do you feel? And how ready do you feel for that event? I, I feel I feel a lot more prepared now, probably. Uh, the weekend just gone and seeing some of the the things we've put together in training and what we have worked on uh, in terms of how I want the boys to play um, and and what we need to develop in our game to be more consistent at the top level uh, that we saw the likes of South Africa holding on to last year. To see that come, I'm a lot in a lot better space now and, and pleased with what that is. And I think that going into Dubai, um, not only the way we're playing the game, but the numbers of uh, players that can play that game. And it's very much still a, a Fijian style of rugby because it's inherent in the way that they play rugby here. I'm just trying to add chunks onto it to ensure that, that we're as competitive as we possibly can be and, and right up there for the season. That's Fiji Sevens coach Gareth Baber. The Pacific Games Council is resigned to only a small delegation from Tahiti taking part in next month's mini-games in Vanuatu. The French Polynesian government's reiterated it will go ahead with a boycott of the Games, following a disagreement over who should represent the territory in boxing. The CEO of the Pacific Games Council, Andrew Minogue, says Tahiti's recognised sporting federations are still welcome to attend the Games, but he admits organisers are not expecting a big turnout. Without a, a, an Olympic Committee executive in place, we took the view that we'll take the entries for the Games directly from the sports. We didn't want the athletes to miss out uh, on participating in Vanuatu because of the, the difficulties the Olympic Committee was having with their executive. Um, so we decided to take the entries directly from each of the sporting federations and that's when um, um, the issue arose with boxing and in fact also with rugby union where there are rival federations being established in Tahiti and those, while they may be backed by the government and have what they call the Delegation de Service, which means they're entitled to go and represent their country overseas, um, those federations are not recognised by World Rugby or AIBA in the case of boxing. Both of those international federations at this point in time continue to recognise um, the former federations of those of those two sports. So. The PGC's position was, well, because we're an international event and we're governed by the rules of the international federations, we have to follow uh, the affiliation decisions that they've made. <clears throat> if we didn't do that, then we put those sports at risk of the IF or, or the participating countries saying that, you know, it's an invalid competition and no longer supporting it. So the, the, the Games Council didn't really have any choice. In the case of boxing, the mm. organisation that the Games Council recognises and the International Boxing Association yep. recognises that that one previously was recognised by the government and obviously represented Tahiti at the last Pacific Games and at other various yep. events. Yeah, and the president of that body is also the former, now former president of the Olympic Committee. So he's the one who's had to leave office from the Olympic Committee as a result of the court decision. 
So anyway, um, the position that we took was that each of those 13 sports, I mean, they're not in netball, of course, but all the other ones on Vanuatu's program, they've got active federations. We left it up to them to decide if they wanted to come, the ones who were affiliated internationally, and boxing and rugby said, yes, we're coming, and the government uh, didn't um, appreciate that, and um, together with all the other sports, decided to boycott the Games. So presumably there's a number of athletes that have been preparing for months, assuming yep. they're going to the mini-games, and, and they've been told mm. at very short notice by the government, I guess, or, or by their federations within Tahiti that... Actually, no, now that's not happening. That's right. And in fact, our entries, our athlete entries, closed on the 20th of October. And um, there's, aside from netball, as I said earlier, there's a full complement of athletes who are registered in our database to compete at the Games. So you're quite right. I'm sure that they're all, uh, they've all been preparing uh, to come to Vanuatu at the end of the year. And um, unfortunately, it looks like that's not going to happen for them. Is it literally a case of turning up into Port Vila and waiting to see how many Tahitians come off the plane? Well, I think we, we know that the boxing team um, will be coming. We've been sent uh, flight details and names and everything for, for their team. We've been sent some details uh, around the rugby union team, although there's some complications with that. We're not sure if they'll come, but there's a possibility that they'll come. And the rest of the sports at this moment are saying you know, that they're sticking with the with the boycott and, and won't be coming. So I think we, uh, you know, standing here today and the people in Vila who are preparing for the Games are preparing on the basis now that there's only going to be a boxing team and uh, and maybe a rugby team. So what does I don't that think we're holding out hope for any sort of surprises. So what does that mean logistically? Um, you know, that I guess would mean altered draws. Uh, what, what does that mean for, like, yeah. accommodation, facilities, that sort of thing? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we, you know, in a number of the team sports like um, like soccer, um, you know, we've been toying with, um, they were registered in the men's event. We were toying with a 17 draw and then a 16 draw, so we've had to sort of create contingencies around that. Those things are manageable, but it's it's not easy. The accommodation in the village, obviously there was a, an area prepared for the Tahitian delegation to reside in. Um, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate if they're not there in the numbers that we expected, but our overall numbers are pretty healthy, so I think, again, that'll be managed by the team on the ground, but oh, we, we will keep our we'll keep the door open. If any of the sports decide at the last minute, you know what, we really like to come. Uh, we've had a change of heart. Well, because they've been registered on by October 20, which is our deadline, they've got the ability to come, and we'll welcome them. Let's hope they do. Some of them. And so, what's the situation with ONOC, the Oceania National Olympic Committee? Um, they've been suspended by them. So, what does what does that mean? Tahiti, along with um, a number of territories like New Caledonia, Norfolk Island, Wallace and Fortuna, the Marianas, they're associate members of ONOC, so they're not full members, they're not participants at the Olympic Games, but as they're part of the Oceania and Pacific family, ONOC has an associate member category that basically invites them to the annual general meeting. Um, and lets them participate in those activities once a year. And the ONOC executive met last week in Prague when the ANOC meeting was held in the Czech Republic, and they uh, they decided that based on what they'd seen out of Tahiti and some of the correspondence that was coming around boycotting the Games and such things that um, they drew a line in the sand. The Olympic Charter is very clear around government interference in sport, and so they've they've suspended their 
associate membership until such time that they have a free and fair election and, and come back to the rules that govern international events like ours. So um, that decision was, was tabled over the weekend. Everybody is now aware of it and um, the Pacific Games Council will take note of that when we, uh, our executive meets on the 2nd of December. That's Andrew Minogue from the Pacific Games Council. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Finney Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.